Yeah, I think I think everyone has to understand like what moves them. You know, like it's a very much like it's if Nicole hated for me to travel. She actually loves when I travel because she gets a break. <laughs> it's like, a, she's like, <laughs> like, when are you leaving again? I'm like, I was just gone for the last six weeks. She's like, okay, get out of here. Uh, but uh, I think the of it is having very open conversations, like what brings life, what brings joy to the family structure. And so my family is the most important part of my life. And so like if my kids couldn't handle me traveling, I wouldn't travel. I would have to figure out another, another pathway. So I think for every family unit and whatever that looks like, is we just have to have honest and open conversations about what matters the most. And if travel is something that matters, you know, there are certain, you don't have to go on a big international trip. We love day trips. We love like our family connects around adventure and, and, and like to get, we're not the type that's gotta be around the family table every night eating dinner for 40 minutes together. Okay, let's do this. This is Jeff. And I'm Andre. Are you ready? I'm ready. Love or work. Is anyone listening? No, don't put that on the air. These two people are really, really funny. This one made me cry. World Series champion. Around the entire world. NBA all-star. We hope you love this interview as much as we did. Love or work. Welcome to the Love or Work podcast. This is Jeff. And I'm Andre. Ah, we're back again. Back again. It's December, y'all. It is the holiday season. I am in the holiday spirit. Let's go Christmas caroling. <laughs> I hate caroling. You I really hate do. It. I hate it with a passion. And you always think that the best idea ever would be for us to take our kids and go house to house, like we're in the 30s or something, and Christmas Carol, house to house, first of all, in our neighborhood, number one, which mm-hmm. is a little scary, and number two, it's not, scary. it's not scary, but like going house to house with your children to unknown houses is a little weird. Hang on. In this How day I- and time. All right. If you're listening to this, I want you to answer this question to yourself or to your partner. Whoever when was the last time you saw time somebody Christmas caroling? Is that the wasn't question. the question. You just coming up. The question is, when was the last time you were like upset about hearing someone Christmas caroling in your neighborhood? No. When was the last time anybody heard somebody Christmas carol? Because that doesn't happen anymore. It, only I'm Hallmark it movies. I'm bringing just it back. Just Hallmark movies. Bringing it back. That's it. Now I will. I hate caroling. Wow. Hate it. I'm not going to okay. do it. I'm feeling <laughs> I'm feeling the emotions of our conversation rising very quickly. I love I will Christmas. say last night this I is a true story. I do love Christmas but not the caroling. Last night. Last night. I put the kids down to bed. And did you hear what I was doing? Singing Christmas songs? Yeah, it was great. We did this thing. We played a little game. You can try this. Try it. You know what? Steal this idea. Steal this idea. I didn't hear all this. We so. I told them I said I'm going to say four words. And you got to finish the song. And it was all Christmas songs? Dashing through the... Snow. That was three words. It, but this is what you did. <laughs> you need to stop. We're done. Okay, so today, let's talk about who we're interviewing yeah. today. This mm-hmm. is Chris and Nicole Marlowe. And Chris is the CEO of an organization called Help One Now. Mm-hmm. And he's also the author of the book, Doing Good is Simple. And ultimately, uh, and then Nicole is a hairstylist and is awesome and has the most sexy voice I've heard in a long time. You really went off I on that. I do really enjoy her mm-hmm. voice, by the way. Uh, but they are amazing. And mm-hmm. I mean, a great part about this interview and also just talking about giving in this December 
time. And I think they're a great organization to look up if you're thinking or trying to find a place to give. Yeah, it was great. Um, as you are preparing to listen to this incredible interview, they, they were really great. First of all, this was Nicole's first ever podcast interview. I know. So fun. So that's kind of fun. I love it. Bringing people in. That's the first thing to listen to. She did great. If you know her, first if you're timer. listening to her, she was a first timer. Give some positive affirmation to her via the internet or text messaging. Number two, listen for garage sales. Yes. It's crazy. I forgot about this. Keep going. Number three, we're going to talk a lot about generosity. Yes. How it can bring us together as a couple, how it can unite us, how it can inspire us, how it can bring joy. So many good things. Generosity. Connection. Yeah, I think people are going to love this. All right. Here they are, Chris and Nicole Marlowe. Dashing through the snow in a one-horse open Just stop. I always say Nicole got really lucky when she met me. (laughs) I don't believe that story at all. <laughs> I'm just totally kidding. Uh, yeah, it's so fascinating. We were um, we were young when we fell in love. So I don't even know if we knew what love was at the time. We were, both of us come from broken families. And um, I think really one of the things that we really wanted was uh, a family or, or some type of connection or um, really a partner in life who um, we can journey with. Um, and so looking back at it now, it all makes sense. But back then we were just two young 20 somethings, um, you know, trying to figure out life and trying to figure out love. And we met, I was, um, on staff at a church and Nicole was a, a member. Her family had gone to that church for a while and we had connected kind of through that, um, relationship. And then from then on, we've, we were literally 23 and 20 when we got married. So we were mm-hmm. so young. Wow. Um, but yeah, it's been now it feels like it's almost hard to remember as old as we are now, you know, those moments. So, yeah. Um, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, basically that's what happened. I mean, we both came from pretty rough families. So I think it, we grew up a lot faster than most people. Yeah. So I think we were ready to be on our own and, and make our family so much different than what we grew up in. It's interesting because I often hear kind of two different ways people go either that way, which you're talking about, or like the very jaded way of like, because of seeing so much brokenness and hurt or things like that, it's like, well, then I, I don't want that. Like, I'm too scared. They're fearful of committing, of having that type of um, relationship. And that didn't go through your minds at all. Um, uh, maybe a little bit, but not really. I think being younger and maybe you just don't have that part. The idealistic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're just young and you know, it's, I don't know. I mean, you just want to. Yeah. I think you wanted to feel, you wanted, we wanted to run in some, Nicole's family still had some sense of a nuclear family environment where my family had zero of that. And so, and to an extent, her family, at the, and kind of when I came along, there was kind of a restoration of their past um, as well. And so there was kind of like this new hope emerging from the Cole side of the family. And my side of the family was literally a disaster. So I think a little bit of it is, you know, I kind of grafted into her family dynamic, which actually made it easier for her to even kind of process some of her own family dynamics. And then as kind of a young 
couple, we had to even then deal with some of our past family trauma and issues. Right. Um, well, but I think at the end of the day, everyone's looking for a connection and love. And I think when times have changed so much, you know, in the last, you know, 23 years. And so, um, but I think we were both looking for, you know, we were looking for love. And I think we were surprised to find it at such a young age. Mm. And how many years have you all been married now? Let's see if you get this right. Ah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, 23. 23. Yeah. 23 yeah. So, I, first of all, thanks for sharing about kind of your, your the past background and the stories you guys came from. Um I'm curious to kind of walk back and think about those first couple of years when you did get married. Like, how did you process that and how did you make a plan forward? I guess maybe is a question. I, I'm thinking about listeners right now that they're like, man, that's our story. Yeah. Um, and so what did you guys, how, how did you work through that and how did you make those changes? Because it's really easy to replicate family systems that you grew up in, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, for me, it was, I was pretty desperate not to relive my family trauma. I think I just had this, this passion and commitment to like, wait a minute, I had like, you know, generation after generation, my side of the family's history have just, you know, just devastated. And so most of my brothers and sisters in and out of prison, my, my father, killed a guy when he was younger and got put in prison and ended up becoming like an undercover um, for the FBI in a big motorcycle gang in California. And so like it was, and then it's he came crazy. in and out of our lives. It was really, it's really wild. It's kind of, it's kind of crazy. And I, I mean, I was so desperate to not relive that story. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, you know, some people say it's face Some people, there was just something in me that said, I do not want um, to live that story. And there was a moment that changed everything for me. I grew up um, in, in Stockton, California. We, My mom sent me to live with my aunt on the other side of the city. And so I ended up going to like the nicest school and it kind of changed my trajectory in life. Mm-hmm. And I actually, for the first time, saw normal, healthy families mm-hmm. in my life. And so it was kind of fascinating. I always say a fourth grade teacher, her name was Mrs. Ross, she kind of took me in under her wing and like taught me what it meant to like live in a family structure. Um, and I think I was able because of her gift to me, I was able to begin to realize like, wait a minute, um, you, you know, divorce isn't the only option. Brokenness isn't the only option. Family violence isn't the only option. There's actually a way forward to do this well. And so I think that was a beginning um, for me to see, like, we can't have a healthy family. And, mm-hmm. you know, the first few years were not easy for us at all. I mean, we were both, and even back then, like things like mental health and counseling, no one talked about that back then. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it was always like, you just got to figure it out on your own or, or hide everything or don't talk about it. Um, and ultimately, you know, I think we've grown a lot and realized like the, the importance of communication. Um, but it took a lot of grit and a lot of struggle, um, and a lot of forgiveness between one another, um, in order to, to survive. Yeah. I think that, um, my, my family's story was pretty chaotic as well. Um, it seemed appeared dysfunctional. I mean, functional on the outside, but it wasn't. And, um, I think Chris is one of the first people that I actually was vulnerable with and shared my story and um, we came from pretty similar backgrounds. And so I think that's what really um, tied us together. 
And, um, but it wasn't easy being young and being married and not really knowing what you're doing. Um, but we knew that we were journeying together and we both cared about the same things in life. So I think that's really important. Um, and so I think that's what kind of helped us, you know, stay strong and yeah, survive. So, uh, Chris, we know that you um, started an organization called Help One Now. And when did this kind of come up for you all uh, together, you know, thinking about this, starting this? How did this come to fruition? And then, Nicole, have you been kind of in this and doing it with him the whole time? Or how is how did this come to be? Yeah, well, I always say it was like literally the worst time, right? Like sometimes the most important moments of life come at the very worst possible time. Mm. And this was kind of a unique time. We had um, just moved to Austin and we were, you know, church planters in that city. Everything was really going well for us. We just bought a home. Our kids were going to the best school. Life was going really well. We had an amazing group of friends. Um, and we had a big life failure before that. And so we were kind of rebuilding our life in Austin. And then I took a trip to Zimbabwe met a starving kid at a gas station. And it was just this really crazy moment where I knew everything was going to change. Um, and I think a little bit was our kids were seven or five. And um, I remember meeting this boy at this gas station who was eight years old. And it was one of these moments where it's like, how do you, how do you see such desperation and just let it go or come back and just, you know, live like the normal American dream. And um, I remember coming back from that trip and uh, we went through like this year long process of like, it's one, it's 2008 and like the whole world's falling apart economically. And we had just literally, you know, bought a house and everything, but knowing that, like, I think this is a vocational shift, really a life calling shift. Um, and we had a whole bunch of advisors that we had talked to and whatnot to make sure it wasn't an emotional one. Um, but I just remember thinking like, I cannot put my family through this dramatic shift in life right now. Um, but what was really powerful about it is, you know, our entire family, and I'll let Nicole kind of share her side of this, but our entire family jumped on board. And, you know, as we, it, it, I remember thinking like we're celebrating our 10 year anniversary as an organization this year. And so when I, I think back to those moments, like for my wife and for at the time, our two young kids, um, for them to jump, you know, they were seven and five at the time. For them to kind of go all in is really the reason why Help One Now exists today. And I think the, the key to that is like back then we were trying to care for these 33 orphans in Zimbabwe that that um, a friend of ours was taking care of. And today we're caring for about 225,000 people around the world. And it's literally because Nicole was willing to say, I'm in and I'll do this together with you. And um, it's really because of her strength and her grit that we were able to kind of do the things that we're doing now in the world. I, I mean, Nicole, that's a big life shift. I mean, we, a lot of people listening to our entrepreneurs and, you know, started companies and things like that. And it's a big risk. It's a big risk. It's a financial risk. It's all the things. How did you shift or take that jump from your nice, cozy life? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that having our girls was a big factor in that because when Chris was over there in Zimbabwe and he told me the stories about meeting these kids alone and on their own and 
no one to care for them. And I mean, it was very desperate and I could only imagine my own girls Mm -hmm. being there and being on their own. And that made me just say, this is what we need to do. I mean, Mm -hmm. I care about my kids so much that there's other kids out there as well that don't have anybody, you know? And so, I mean, it was really not hard for me to jump on board um, at first, you know, and it's hard when you're like, oh, okay, so we have to start up this nonprofit and we have no money and what are we doing? You know, like (laughs) um, it was, it was tough, but our girls jumped on board too. And um, they did lemonade stands and we raised money, as much money as we could and lived simply. And I think that, it's, you know, it was worth it. Hmm. I'm curious. Uh, th- I want to take you back 10 years ago. What was the, where was the moment that you guys had this conversation that you were like, we are moving forward. Do you remember when, when and where it was and how that moment happened? Yeah, it was a process. So, you know, we had to really think through all the different layers of life, our vocation. And um, it, w- it was really unique in the very beginning phases of launching the dream we were like, hey, let's just help our friend care for these 33 kids in Zimbabwe. And they were on what we would call on the edge of life kids. So they were always within two to four weeks of death um, because literally of starvation and whatnot. So this was, I mean, it, it was, okay, how do we just help these 33 kids that sure. I spent three days with? Um, that was so simply, we're like, okay, we can do that. And, and Jeff, you were actually a part of this story. Um, I remember we just did a family garage sale and raised money. Oh, that's right. I forgot. <laughs> that's uh, right. And this little idea we had to do these things called Garage Show for Orphans back then raised a million dollars in five years, you know? So you're talking about... Um, Hang on. I got I to gotta, I gotta take this back. Because we were sitting at a coffee shop. No, it's, sorry, I totally forgot about this. So you just uh, said that. We were sitting at a coffee shop and you were talking about the need, you know, what you were doing and the vision uh, you had. And you're like, but we just got to raise some money. And then you're like... So we like did this one garage sale and we, ra- I forget how much you guys raised in the first, it was like insane. Uh, like 15, 1800 bucks or something. Yeah. yeah. 15, 1800 dollars. And it, yeah, I was like, you raised $1,500 in a garage sale. Like nobody does. <laughs> like if you get a hundred bucks in a garage sale, unless you had furniture, like it was a good, it was a success. He raised all this money. I was like, that's what you're going to do. He's like, what are you talking about? I was like, Tell everyone to do garage sales. You have a whole strategy. I remember the conversation oh, yeah. so clearly. Yeah. yeah. And great. then actually, here's where you know Jeff's an entrepreneur is he bought the domain while we were studying. Like, I'll tell you the domain if you want. Oh my gosh. That you remember is that? 100% Jeff. I may or may yes. not have done that. That, that is 100% <laughs> him. Exactly oh what he did. He was like, he's on his iPhone 1. It was like iPhone 1 back then. <laughs> That's yeah. No, you know what's fascinating though is like sometimes like it's and I always just say this like we have to be willing to live in the tension of like what if right and so these are the moments where when we when we were thinking about the what if we and a little bit of it was us learning our our strengths in life you know me coming from like my background I had a business background but also I had a ministry background, but neither one seemed to really fit for me. Like I wasn't all in in either one of those things. And so I think in this moment, I was learning so much about myself as my heart was being broken about like the crisis that was taking place around the world. And I realized like, wait a minute, this is actually where I'm going to thrive the most as a leader and an entrepreneur is, you know, kind of bringing those two passions together. And so a little bit of it was we felt like, okay, maybe now in our young thirties at the time, 
we finally kind of found our place in the world and our life's journey, um, our life's calling. And so, and, and thankfully we did, and it's been incredibly hard. It, it was like when we started the, the Help One Now story, the, like the world was okay. And like six months into it, the world was falling apart. You know, the economic downturn. Yeah. Um, we're like, our house was actually, was making us money. And now we're like, never going to sell this house in Austin anymore. <laughs> cause and yet at the same time, we're thinking through, so we had raised a couple hundred thousand dollars to start um, Help One Now. And then all of that money went away. And so not only we had to like figure out like, wait, like there's, how do we even do this? And so, but a lot of hustle, a lot of grit, a lot of faith. And we had a ton of community support. We did not do this alone. We had so many others who journeyed with us to make it happen. Love it. Nicole, I would love thinking about over the course of the 10 years of doing this. I mean, this has been a huge part of your life. And I want you to think back to some of the times that you were like, man, I don't really want to do this anymore. You know, like because of how it's affected. Are you your... just saying that? Cause we've had so many of those moments ourselves. <laughs> I mean, not, not maybe that's a, maybe I jumped the gun a little bit on that, but like the moments that were hard doing this calling and He's this purpose and this work, life. I mean, how, and the moments that it affected your family, how did you work through those, those times? Yeah. Well, um, as a hairstylist too, you know, I was working, trying to help provide for our family and also helping with the nonprofit, um, probably thought once every other week, what are we doing? We need to do something else. (laughs) I mean, definitely a lot, um, it would have been easier for him to just go back to pastoring or, you know, working to a um, stable but, job. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of times, you know, I felt like, Oh yeah, let's go back to that. You know, but when I looked at the kids and it's like, you're looking at your own kids in the face and telling them that I'm going to go do something else and not help you. Um, that's what brings you back to, hmm continuing you know yeah the humanity of that do you guys travel with your kids have you traveled internationally is that a big part of the your story yes it is we brought them um i think when they were like 10 the first trip we went on um and a lot of times like we would tell them when we, when he came back from a trip, you know, about the kids there and, and they didn't really relate to like, they don't have food. Um, but I realized that when, when we told them they don't have birthday presents, they don't have Christmas <laughs> presents. <laughs> yeah. They were devastated. They, they were, were like, what? Yeah. yeah. And so they would tell their friends. I was sad to hate all the kids in the world. Yeah. <laughs> they would tell their <laughs> friends, you know, like, there's kids around the world that don't have yeah. anything and hmm. they jumped on board pretty quickly. I feel like, and it was great to be able to expose them to those, yeah. and like to taking them to different countries at a young age. I feel like it gave them a lot of perspective on what we have. And, and it's fascinating too. Like a little bit as it created a lot of tension for our kids. We live in downtown Raleigh and our kids go to a school that has, you know, an extreme amount of wealth connected to it. And our kids have a whole different worldview. Like they don't really want what a lot of their friends want. They've, they've traveled the world. They've seen 
they've seen the greatest amount of hope and the greatest amount of pain. So it's almost like it's not just the devastations that they've seen. They've also seen these communities literally be transformed and they've been part of seeing so much progress and, and whatnot. And they've been a huge part of the progress. And so, but they have had to sacrifice also. They've had to live a little a more simple life. Um, but also we, we were actually in, in Jordan, um, Israel and Palestine last year with them. And it's interesting to see, like taking them to places like throughout Africa and the Caribbean when they were like, you know, 10, 11 and 12. And now as they're teenagers um, heading off to college, we'll be empty nesting in a few months. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's wild. Um, Nicole's not, she's struggling with that part. She's <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, we both are, but it's fascinating to watch them. Like they spent time last year in some of the hardest places and they naturally are able to engage and, and be a part of these conversations. So I think traveling with us helped mature them and it's given them a whole different, you know, like toolkit that they can understand life and how they can help people, but how they have, they've lived in a global, you know, community their entire lives. And so mm -hmm. it's, it's been fun. And yeah. our oldest daughter, she literally went to live outside of the state. She did a gap year in Thailand last year and, and whatnot. And so she's, you know, she's got the bug. We've created a little bit. Of <laughs> yeah. You're bug. seeing it go down. I know we, we yeah. talk about that all the time because we travel a lot with our kids and we're like, Oh no, they're not gonna, they're going to be so far away <laughs> Yes, <laughs> when I they know. leave the house. So we were eating dinner the I'm other like, day and oh. both of our kids like in this like eight minute conversation, one kid's like, yeah, I'm probably going to live in Peru for like six, seven, eight years. And then our youngest daughter is like, yeah, I'm definitely not living here in North Carolina. I'm going to go to the West Coast and live, <laughs> we'll go to Canada. And my poor wife was just like, what is happening yeah. right now? <laughs> the <laughs> tears just streaming. And it's our fault. Oh my God. What did we do? <laughs> so Chris, I know one of the things that's really been unique to your story is that you've been able to attract a lot of, I don't love this word, but celebrity leaders in our culture into the work that you guys are doing. And, um, and you've taken them overseas and they've been in the villages you're working in all that kind of stuff. Um, what's interesting related to this podcast and like the work that we're doing in this is like, these are the types of people that are the most busy ever, right? Like it's like their schedules are crazy. Yes. The demands on their lives are crazy to even get the couple in the same room is hard and get them to go on a trip together. Maybe even the most hard thing ever, which that yeah. might not always happen that way. I'm curious how you have seen how, um, generosity and, um, kind of being introduced to the things that you guys do really unifies those marriages mm -hmm. or those relationships they have. Yeah, it's really fascinating. I think what we have figured out is it's actually a breath of fresh air for some of these folks to get out of their normal space. And when they go to another country, they're just another normal person. There's no celebrity in, you know, when you're in the middle of a village in Africa, right? You're just a human. It's almost like they find their humanity again. They, hmm. end of the day, we're all pretty much normal people trying to figure out the same types of things. Even if some folks have big names or, you know, obviously bigger account, you know, bank accounts. Um, at the end of the day, most folks just want to figure out how to make a difference, how to make an impact, how their life matters and how they can use what they have to make a difference. You know, the folks that we run in. And so a little bit of our backstory, and this is kind of how we've connected with so many folks is when we started help one now, 
um, a lady named Jen Hatmaker, her husband, Brandon, were good friends of ours in Austin. And a little bit of us was, you know, Jen's just kind of her personal platform grew so much. And she was just really committed to helping her friends get involved in doing good and making a difference. And so that was like the starting point of us entering in um, to this world. And it's been it's been fascinating because we've one thing I love about it is we it's so great. Like it's an incredibly wide table. I mean, it's people in faith, out of faith. It's the craziest liberals, craziest conservatives, like people who would never, ever have dinner together. They'll come on a trip together and they'll be connected around a story of doing good and making an impact. And, mm. and all of a sudden it's like they're able to see the humanity in one another again. Um, we fight about so many things, but when we're around the table, we recognize like, wait a minute, we actually love and care for each other more than we can imagine. But in the world of social media, it's almost like we, we don't know how to be human um, because we're not as present as we used to be. And so we, we, we see so much transformation on these trips for sure. Uh, and uh, it's been, you know, it's been a great kind of it's been a huge part of the help one now narrative. And so we we, we believe as people connect with us that not only will they help transform lives around the world, but their own lives will be transformed in the process. And that's what generosity does. Generosity helps everyone become better. And um, our, our, you know, quote unquote, celebrity influencer types, um, they've been so incredibly generous to us, but they all will tell you their families have been completely transformed because many of them, they do live in celebrity. They do live in wealth. And they're like, this is not like, they don't, they don't all come from that. And so they're trying to even navigate the new world of that, but it helps them rebalance their family and reconnect back to like kind of the everyday normal aspects of life. And so hopefully, I think for sure it's been a gift for everyone involved. Well, and I think I, the reason I bring that up is it's not so much even about the celebrity aspect. It's about like two busy people in relationship together in long-term yep. relationship. There's something beautiful about uniting and reminding each other of each other's humanity through generosity, right? Like just having a shared experience with your partner, having like this, um, I, I don't know. I think there's something about that in the, in the midst of this Yeah, we felt that yeah. in our journey and in our life. Yeah, like having that shared experience and pursuit and purpose in giving towards something. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that actually bring, that's another way it can bring us together. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that we did is we just said, bring your family, right? Mm -hmm. Because we believe traveling with family, I don't know um, another opportunity to see transformation and connection from a family unit than traveling together and, and you mm -hmm. know, spending that much like focused time together. So you see, you have these amazing conversations, you have these amazing moments, and those are shared moments that you'll never um, you'll never forget. But there are also moments when you go back home to normal life, they kind of reconnect you to one another and yeah. to what matters the most. And so I think it helps recenter people, not only short term, but long term. And um, for, you know, for any of us, I mean, everyone's so busy in our culture right now. It's so insane how busy and how much information we have. So to be able to disconnect and be present and be in the moment for six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 days is really just it's just truly a gift for everyone. So if somebody thinks who's listening is just like, there's no way I can, you know, do this big international travel. There's no way. Um, Most people you know, think that. Yeah. And, you know, granted, there's also times in life that that can't happen. You know, right. really, you got the babies, you got the kid, you know, there's a lot going Different on. Seasons, yeah. So there's busy, busy people who at this period of life cannot travel, cannot do that. How would you say they can still simply give? 
Yeah, I think I think everyone has to understand like what moves them. You know, like it's a very much like it's if Nicole hated for me to travel. She actually loves when I travel because she gets a break. <laughs> so it's, it's like a, she's like, <laughs> like, when are you leaving again? I'm like, I was just gone for the last six weeks. She's like, okay, get out of here. Uh, but uh, I think part of it is having very open conversations, like what brings life, what brings joy to the family structure. And so my family is the most important part of my life. And so like if my kids couldn't handle me traveling, I wouldn't travel. I would have to figure out another another pathway. So I think for every family unit and whatever that looks like. Is we just have to have honest and open conversations about what matters the most. And if travel is something that matters, you know, there are certain, you don't have to go on a big international trip. We love day trips. We love, like our family connects around adventure and, and, and like to get, we're not the type that's got to be around the family table every night eating dinner for 40 minutes together. Um, but if we don't like, you know, go to the beach once every three months, we start freaking out a little bit. We're like, wait a minute, we need to get away like we come alive the most when we're together in a car doing something um, adventurous. And then when we're back home, we, we're kind of all independent in one hand um, in, in like a, in a healthy way. And so I think for anyone trying to figure this out, just understand what's the strength of your family, what's going to bring life to your family. And then also believe like it may take even a couple, two or three years to save up. But ultimately, like if going on an international trip and we don't do like we're not a short term missions org, so we don't we do very unique trips, but like invest in things that are going to connect your family together. But that's also going to transform your family together. And so um, whatever that looks like for everyone. And the reason I even wrote the book, Doing Good is Simple, is because really there are so many ways to make a difference. If you can't go on an international trip, you know, volunteer together as a family unit, at a local nonprofit that you care about. Um, in your community, like be very intentional on how you plan to serve together. And I would even say this is, you know, this, as we think about every January as families, we all set, you know, these goals, some of them are vacation their finances or health, all the different things. But sometimes the one goal we never set as a family is how do we plan to make a difference together this year? And so that's not expensive to sit down and say, you know, we're going to help do this thing together as a family. And so you could see transformation locally or globally. It could be really inexpensive or it can come with a larger price tag. But the most important piece is that you're dedicated to doing something together because those obviously give you conversations, especially with kids, like to be able to have conversations with kids about, you know, hey, a mile from where we live or in our case, a block from where we live, there's all kinds of poverty. And like how do our kids who don't have to deal with that do, you know, like literally in our neighborhood around the world. So we all can do it. We just need to be intentional on how we kind of plan to give back as a family unit. Hmm. Uh, Nicole, I'm curious, uh, thinking back 23 years ago when you first got married and you're, you know, you guys were talking about that you're trying to set a new story for your family. Uh, what do you wish you knew then that you knew, that you know now? I'm so glad you got this question. <laughs> well, I think that when you're younger, you always feel like you need to be somewhere where you're not. Mm. You're trying to get somewhere. You know, you're trying to get ahead financially or you're trying to get ahead in your career. But the older you get, you realize it's not about where you are trying to get. It's about the journey getting there and like don't not missing the moments Mm -hmm. that you have now 
And I think that that is one thing like as a young mom, you know, just trying to get everything done. I probably miss moments that I was just enjoying them as kids, like playing or whatever um, they're doing. So I think for me, it's just embracing the moment and Mm -hmm. um, being where you are and enjoying it. Yeah, we were talking because about you're it. always going to need, you're always going to want to get somewhere else. There's never going to be an end to right. that. It's the constant chase. It's constant yes. chase. Yes. And the anxiousness. And it's not rest. really about that. It's about these moments, you know, now. Mm-hmm. Chris, you said something you're adding in the anxiousness. What were you saying? Yeah, I think we were talking about this before we um, jump on here. I had to help Nicole relax a little bit because she's not a fan <laughs> of doing doing these interviews. And Nicole, so you're doing awesome. such a good job. So, no, you're doing Thanks. great, right? Do more, um, but also we like you. We're so anxious in life, right, to achieve goals that we forget to be present in the moment. And then when we achieve the goals, we actually are frustrated by the goals that we achieve because we look back and we're like, "But I wasn't with my family, or I wasn't doing the things that were the most important things that I care about." And I, I've been using the phrase. How do we get out in front of regret? Because ultimately, usually when we think about regret, we're behind it. Like we regret something already. But if we think about like, hey, in five years, what will I regret? And um, I think what we've learned together is like you get so busy chasing dreams and goals. And, and you know, we're a goal. We're, we're driven to do that. So that's not wrong. But if, it, if you kind of lose your way in the process, you look back and like, you know, we didn't spend enough time with our kids or we weren't at dinner. I was on the phone more than being with my family or, you know, and those types of things. So I think it's just trying, you know, I, we were too anxious our first 10 years probably to like achieve. And now we look back as our kids are going to college this, you know, this summer and we'll be empty nesting. We, in, you know, the regrets that we have, thankfully, in a, I think in a healthy regretful way is we wish we would have been more relaxed and yeah. enjoyed, you know, the small moments. Mm, that's good for people listening for sure. Really good. <laughs> wow, Andrea's looking at Jeff right now, like, um, huh, you better oh. take that advice. <laughs> well, he's just it's that achiever, you know. So I think that that's ingrained in entrepreneurs and business and startup culture is that achieving. And it's so hard. I, I just um Yeah, getting to a place that you haven't been yet. There's always like there's always the next thing. Yeah. And so then right. that achiever mentality is so hard to combat every day. Um, and I guess I just see that in you in terms of like business and. Yeah. What, the, the <laughs> what sucks is that's what has led us to being around for 10 years. And that's why the organization exists because I see things that can be better. And equally, it's what causes my endless amount of anxiety, right? Like that's the. <laughs> That is the tension that I live in every freaking moment of every day. <laughs> well, because there's never an off button, right? right? Especially in our world, like, and I think actually we were chatting on social media, Jeff, about this, but like there, and, and, and our spouses have to deal with this, right? Like there is no off button. Like in Help One Now, there's not an off button. There's no nine to five. The world's doing what the world does, good, bad, ugly all the time. And um, I think what I've had to realize with that is like, I have to still set clear boundaries for my family. Like I can't solve every problem. I can't be in every moment. Uh, I, my team has to do things well. I have to take care of them. So they're not always caught up, but ultimately you recognize like 
it's never going to end. Like my dreams, my passions, my goals, like I, you know, as soon as we get to one place, I want to do something else, but also like we can't control all the chaos that's going around us. And so as, you know, celebrating 10 years, um, I think both of our orgs are doing this, celebrating 10 years yeah. together. Um, but it is like you recognize like, man, it's, it's a never ending pipeline of potential chaos. And if I don't set boundaries and, ha- and be really clear in my yeses and nos, I'm going to struggle and actually it's going to do damage to my own family. So one of the, one of the principles that I have starting help one now is like, whenever I feel like my, my family, there's going to be permanent long-term damage to my family. And I think this goes back to our childhood is like, I got to bail out like help one now can't be my identity. And so mm-hmm. um, if I have to walk away f- from this, making sure someone else can still continue helping out story because it's important. Um, but ultimately, like when I start feeling like there's permanent damage, I, and, and, you know, my kids don't want to talk to me or I'm never around or I don't, you know, like I, I got to learn when to walk away. Kenny Rogers had it right in the 70s or 80s. <laughs> and you have a song, you got to yeah. learn when to walk yeah. away. It just went on the radio the other day. You got to know when to fold them and walk away or something like that. So, yeah. yeah I think- I think you have to constantly remind yourself of that. It's not like you're doing like you always are thinking that way. I think there's times where you have to step back and be like, okay, like I've been here too much or there too much and I need to recenter, but it's a constant thing, right? Cause we all get off center yeah, and we have to come back. Um, and I think that's what, I mean, our personalities are so different. He's the driven, you know, achiever. And I think it helps to have somebody else who's not like quite like that and they can bring you back, but you know, you can kind of help each other in the process and we'll let him know if he's not, (laughs) he doesn't get any, he doesn't get probably a lot of grace from his family. They'll tell, call him out when he needs to be called out. (laughs) The kids, me, (laughs) but he gets pretty good. Basically we're ruthless. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. But sometimes it's what you need. I mean, oh, yeah. our, I don't know. Kids, I don't know at all what you're talking about. right now. <laughs> I like, I, did you hear how I put it to the kids? Like I was like, oh, yeah, our kids are ruthless. But yeah, it's totally <laughs> yeah. me. It's totally me. Well, I think that segues us so, so perfectly to our last question. Do you want yeah. to? So is it possible to change the world, stay in love and raise a healthy family? I think, yes, absolutely. But it doesn't mean that it's not going to be work. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you still have to work at it and you're still learning and growing as you go. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, we've learned, I, I think it's possible for everyone if they're willing to forgive and have grace along the way. And so there's no way to do all of those three things without being very committed to grace, um, to constantly evolving as humans. If we were the same people now as when we were, when we were, you know, first married or when we started helping now, Nicole now is becoming an entrepreneur in her own right. And she's starting to launch her own dreams. And like, it's been fun for me to like, okay, wait a minute. Now I can support things, you know, because emptiness is a real thing and yet we're kind of younger. And so now she's pursuing dreams that she would have never pursued six years ago. So I think learn to forgive, having this, and also just um, you know evolving along the way is so important to to stay fresh and and really to be healthy. And then I guess at the end of the day, um, how do we communicate well and have a great community around us who can be a support structure for you know for the things that we're doing. 
And now it's time for the breakdown. I love them. Yeah? Did you agree? Her voice is so sexy. Wow. I <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I wasn't... You probably can't say that. Don't say that. I wasn't I even thinking about that. I girl all over her and her voice. <laughs> Sorry for being focused and present in the moment like she taught us. Okay. The yes. things she wished she knew when she started. That this was whole thing. such a good reminder and such a good thing to remember about like... It's all about striving when you're younger, really. Yeah. Um, in those 20s and 30s age, we're old now. I don't know. I feel like I, that's or like the story of going. my life is striving. <laughs> it's like, yeah, when you're younger, I was like, huh. Hmm. So maybe we need to be older and more mature and embrace the journey and the moment. Well, now that I'm 40. Yeah, you're 40 now. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Oh, but I really, I, I mean, even just his thing about like get out in front of regret and that's kind of a good thing to think. Of. I've really literally I've never, never thought, thought that. that in get five, out in front of regret. That in was... five years, what will I regret? So get out in front of it. That was so interesting. Loved it. Never heard of that I'm going to be life. thinking about that. I don't really feel like I can debrief it because I haven't ever really thought about it before. I know. We need to process Chris, that one. you're going deep and you're challenging us right now. Why do you do that? This is supposed to be easy interviews for us, but no, now you're <laughs> going to stick with this stuff and think about things. It's good. It's good. <laughs> I loved when he talked about bringing people together around the table. Um, that it reminds people of their humanity mm-hmm. and um, it, and it unites people again. I thought, so he, he was like the con- international yeah, travel, the travel with people that are either conservative or liberal or not, or mm-hmm. this or that, or the other things. But when you get around a table in an environment where there's not all these preconceived notions, it's mm-hmm. like, no, you're having a shared experience together. And it reminds me that it reminds us all that we're people, that we're human, that we're, yeah. um, and he said, together. he said, generosity helps everyone become better. I love that. Mm. So as we are entering into this um, holiday season, year-end season, I mean, a lot of this podcast is about thinking about things outside of yourself, you know, thinking about the needs of the world, thinking about maybe the needs in your community, maybe thinking about as a parent how to um, introduce some aspects of generosity to your kids, or maybe as a couple how generosity can bring you together um, I think that's a really good challenge for today, don't you? Yeah, and I i mean, going along with that, he talked about, you know, we always set these goals in January, but having a January goal of how do we plan to make a difference together this year? Whoa. And I thought that was really a great thought, and that kind of goes right along with what you're saying. All right, can I give a tip today? I know you don't like to give advice, but I, I heard this from someone else mm-hmm. on Wednesday morning from my friend Lydia. Oh, okay. I was on this panel with her. Lydia's amazing. She wouldn't want us to talk to her about talk about her, her and her Andrew, but they're amazing people in our lives. And she shared with this group, we were talking about generosity. She shared about how the last Thursday of every month, they have a date night, the two of them. Mm-hmm. And they get together and it's a date night and they together that month decide who they're going to give money to from the previous amount of money they got from that month. And it's become like this really, it's like their favorite night of the year. Hmm, or I'm sorry, favorite night of the month. Every month they get together. Every month? Yeah, that's every month. That's a big goal right there. And they kind of get together and say, who are we supporting tonight? And then they write, they said, one of the things they said is like, as they, you know, keep going, 
um, they write their notes uh, to the people that are going to support that month and they Aww. send checks out and stuff. So it's just a, I thought it was kind of a cool thing. And I think that can be $20. Right. You know, it doesn't the, have the, to the be dollar this doesn't extravagant matter. amount, no. but the fact that you're doing it together, having a conversation, yeah. loving on the people organization that you're going to give to yeah. by handwritten notes. We've received her handwritten notes. They're actually really funny. And they're my favorite thing yeah. ever. But what I love, I mean, I remember she shared this in this panel I was on. There's a couple, I don't know, 150 people there. And I saw everyone in the crowd go, whoa, like their eyes got so big and they all wrote it down yeah. instantly. It was like, man, I want to do this with my partner. I want to go on a date. And our whole goal of the date is to try to support people that we love. Yeah. And that's the whole thing about what we're talking about today about giving brings connection. Yes. There's the theme. Wow. One of my favorite episodes. It really was. It was so good. Thank you, Chris and Nicole Marlowe. And if you want to support Help yes. One Now, right? Yes. Please go to Help One Now and check them out and all their good work that they're doing. Um, they're starting this new thing called The Circle. Look that up and then also check out his book, Doing Good is Simple. And it's such a great practical book for families who want to learn how to give together in a really easy and simple way. Love it. We're so thankful that you listen with us. We hope you have a wonderful holiday season and a happy new year. We will see you again soon. This episode was produced by Matt Owen for Soul Graffiti Productions. 